Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is time for MMA Strategy Show right here at AwesomeMode.com. I am Jason Foy. That is a fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Pete, uh, it's a Monday night. I know we're usually not here on Monday nights, but we got a Wednesday morning fight card. Morning time, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, start time. So uh, how, how are you feeling, Pete? What's up, Jason? I am pumped for this week. Not so much this card. I mean, fights are awesome, but, you know, this is a... An interesting card. Obviously, we're all excited for Saturday's card, but we're here to provide content for Wednesday. So uh, excited to talk this, you know, this fight card, see where you stand on some of these fights. Oh, I'm interested to hear your talk, too. Trust me. Trust me. Because this is, I mean, look, this is one of those cards that it's not, um, it's not the most sexy of cards on paper. So I'm really interested to hear kind of what, what your take is on this. And of course, uh, if you got any questions, comments on the fights, uh, line them up right now in our Slack count. Also, right here on YouTube. Before we get into the fights coming up here on Wednesday, let, let's take a look back at Saturday. <laughs> those, those eyes kind of uh, say a lot there. Um, you know, look, we had some unexpected things that we did not see coming. Um, you know, really, I think the biggest one is, is Joaquin Buckley losing the way he did because, look, that was a showcase fight. That was a showcase fight for Joaquin Buckley. But you know what? I go back to what you always say, Pete, is it's the fight game and anything can happen. Yeah, this is this sport is crazy. This is why, in my opinion, MMA, MMA DFS is the most difficult because like you're taking so many things into consideration and then you can throw about 90% of them out the window sometimes because at the end of the day, it's a fight and you don't know how a person's mental state is, or it just takes one mistake in there, especially when you're dealing with high level athletes. Um, you know, Joaquin Buckley, I did not see that coming. I did worry that, you know, he could get overzealous at times and I thought he might run into a, a punch or something. I didn't expect him to get uh, hit with a head kick and a knocked out and finished. 
but that's kind of it's kind of depressing because like I was so happy that Joaquin Buckley like turned a corner in his career rebounded from the Kevin Holland defeat now going forward we're gonna have to be a little careful a little cautious with his matchups right I mean because like he's he has shown the susceptibility to get knocked out and let me tell you Jason you know this once you get knocked out once that you know that off switch is a little easier each time yeah yeah I mean look it was a it was a result we did not see coming uh, Lee Jia Ling going out there and, and getting the victory as well against Santiago Ponzinibbio. It was, uh, I mean, look, you know, when we talk about DraftKings, we're always looking at those 9K options. And, you know, on the strategy show last week, we mentioned about Santiago as, hey, it's two years away from, from fighting. What's he going to look like? We, we did not know exactly what he was going to look like. Give all the credit in the world to Lee Jia Ling to go out, there, go out there and get the win. Um, you know, we talked about the main event, Max Holloway and Calvin Cater was a a must roster fight and man, just, you know, I, I saw someone, you know, had the, uh, had a tweet. I want to say I saw it yesterday. They're like, cause Calvin landed what? 134 strikes. I want to say yeah, like, if, if he's fighting somebody besides Max Holloway, it's an unbelievable performance. Unfortunately yeah. it was Max Holloway and uh, man, Max Holloway. I was just, it was a, a dominating, great, amazing, whatever word you want to use. Unbelievable performance by Max Holloway. Yeah, one of the best, if not the best performance I've ever seen in my life. And I can honestly say that over five rounds, like, you know, finishes are finishes and like they're, they're cool and all. But I, I think in a five round bout, OK, when the, when the fight goes the distance and you can completely dominate your opponent, I value those wins a little bit more than fluky, you know, finishes. Now, Calvin Cater, probably one of the toughest human beings on this planet to show and demonstrate all that toughness and get hit with so many shots. I mean, nearly 500, uh, 500 strikes and, you know, not take a knee and not get knocked out or finished. And, you know, it showed you how much he wanted to be there. Max just had literally like, can I say breakout performance? Because like, I, I don't know how else to say. I mean, Max is one of the best fighters to ever, mm-hmm. you know, fight in a 145 pound weight class, if not the best, but he like leveled up and it was just insane um you know and I think it comes down to the process for DFS right and going forward my process and how I can always try you know strive to improve is to know what fights to target like I feel like we hit the nail on the head of what fights to target and for me as long as my process is right I'm cool with it like I'm going I know what fights I want to target on this card and every card going forward and as long as you have exposure to both sides and close fights I mean you're talking about what the first and, you know, the number one contender and and the guy who's number two or like on any given day, Jason, one of these guys can have an outlier performance and Max absolutely looked incredible. Let me ask you this, since this was the first time under the new DraftKings scoring system, is your roster construction thought process different heading into this card and Saturday's card as opposed to last Saturday's event? Yeah, it is. And I'll tell you what, control time is going to be huge. Like, even guys that that uh, win boring wrestling decisions where they, they just take take them down and lay on top of them, those extra couple points that you can get from control time is huge. And I know like it can only be a difference of like five to fifteen points or something like that if it's a you know a decent amount of control time. But when you're talking about taking down a GPP, those extra five to ten to fifteen points like that separates a lot from the pack. You know what I mean? Like it, it goes back to Hamzan Amiv. Like he didn't have the best performance, but he had a decent amount of takedowns and he had some control time. Um, so like I, I am valuing grapplers a lot. I want early finishers and grapplers in my lineups. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the one thing that does stick out to me is, while I did not play on FanDuel because, well, the contests on FanDuel just weren't good on, on Saturday, is that if you had Austin Lingo, yeah. oh, you, you cashed in because the amount of take, I, well, yeah, like 17 takedown offenses or something like that, some mm-hmm. crazy number, because we always talk about that of if you're playing on FanDuel, that is something you have to look at. You have to look at of if you have a fighter who potentially could stop a lot of takedowns. And, and I think that one fighter I think we'll have to talk about that is is Roxanne Montefiore's opponent because you would imagine Roxanne's going to try to work the, the takedown game. But, man, if you had Austin Lingo, that worked out for you on FanDuel. Yeah, I mean, I felt like that first fight in the night was close. I mean, you saw uh, Jacob Kilburn. I was trying to remember the name. Jacob Kilburn looked he was tough and uh, you know, he could have had some moments and he did have some moments, but Lingo looked good. His boxing looked good. Um, Another fight that I did hammer, um, you know, it's just uh, goes to show you, man, like on FanDuel and DraftKings, how the scoring really separates itself. And uh, you, you bring up a great point of like target the fighter that's going to be shooting like crazy and then pick the opponent on FanDuel. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. It's a great way to look at it. But, uh, you know, Pete, let's let's get right into these fights coming up here on Saturday. Or, excuse me, Wednesday. I'm so used to saying Saturday. <laughs> Wednesday morning. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Uh, by the way, just a little programming note. Myself and Pete will be live Wednesday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time. I don't know if you saw this in the comments the other day. Someone asked, what's the betting line? Jason's neighbors mowing the yard. I set the line. <laughs> I hope he's not. All right. like Min- I, I Minus hope- 500. <laughs> on a Wednesday, uh, I don't know. Um, Usually, more times than not, it's a, it's a city. Because so, I live in a, a circular neighborhood, and so yeah. we've got this big park area in the middle, and the city takes care of it. So, use that's there. Oh, it's like seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. They're they're, they're there, man. It, it's yeah. But looking yeah, forward I, to it. Looking for I'm I'm an early riser anyway, so you know I don't know if I gotta give you a call, Pete. Man, I I have a feeling like Pete's up like five thirty six o'clock. Depends. Depends. Uh, I mean, I will get my Duncan. I will be good to go. Uh, so make sure you guys are joining us Wednesday morning for Live Before Lock. Like, you know, make your breakfast, come hang out, talk your lineups. Hopefully we don't have any cancellations. I mean, it, you know, Abu Dhabi does have some great luck, so we shall see. But uh, come hang with us uh, Wednesday morning. Look, I just can't wait for your next fight. And we walk into the, the hotel and you, you're no shirt on. That's all I'm, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> Like Connor's entrance yeah. today. <laughs> I don't know if I can pull that off yet, Jason. I think I got to uh, add a couple zeros to my bank account and get like verified on Twitter before I start doing that. Yeah. By, by the way, uh, you see it right there on the screen, right there at the bottom of the screen. We've got a great promo going on over at awesome.com. Our MMA weekly pass, $2.57. We use a promo code Connor, C-O-N-O-R. This offer is valid through January 23rd. Look, that's less than a cup of coffee. Got to take advantage of that deal. And it's all the great premium tools and contents we have over at awesomeo.com. If you want a full Awesomeo Plus uh, weekly pass, $29.95, sign up right now, awesomeo.com slash promos to get started today. Let's get right into it. Michael Chiesa, Neil Magny. Michael Chiesa, 7,900. Neil Magny, 8,300. That's on DK. On FanDuel, 15 for Chiesa, $18 for Mag- Magny. So not the typical you know, price up on Fandle in terms of the main event. And, and I was listening to both these fighters earlier today, and it was interesting kind of hearing Kiesa talking about uh, he understands the pressure 
that Neil Magny is going to bring. I, I guess from, you know, how do you view this fight in terms of, of do you feel like that is going to create a lot of problems for Michael Chiesa? I will say that, you know, for DraftKings, this is a great fight to target. Um, you know, like I said, going forward, I'm, I'm trying to figure out which fights I'm going to target, which I'm not. This is a fight I'm targeting both sides. And as far as the pressure of Magny, Magny brings great pressure and has great length. So that's usually what gives his opponents, you know, problems. It's because he's so long, throws great straight punches. He's a guy that really works behind the jab. When you have a fighter who works behind the jab, uh, they don't get too overzealous and they don't bring their hips into their opponent, giving and allowing takedowns to happen, which I think is important. Um, I will say that Michael Chiesa looks really good at 170 pounds. It's crazy to think he used to make 155 pounds. And he's a dominant grappler, which is like the kryptonite to uh, Neil Magny. Yes, Neil Magny can take opponents down and he can be good offensively with his grappling. But as far as defensively, if you go back and you look at Magny's footage in his fights, he gets taken down and he does get dominated on the mat with somebody who has great top pressure. Michael Chiesa does have some great, great top pressure and, you know, absolutely outclass Rafael Dos Anjos. And I don't think everybody in the world understands how good Rafael Dos Anjos is on the mat. So, I mean, I think it's a very close fight, Jason. Now, I will tell you that Magny's pressure forward, if he goes forward and he doesn't allow himself to back up, you know, towards that black line, I think that he can be good in the center of the cage, behind his length, defensive takedowns, because he does have some defensive wrestling. But it's if Chiesa can get him against the cage, you know, really swallow those hips, put him on the mat, and get him down, I worry about control time for Chiesa because Chiesa in his, in his wins and who he's fought, he really just outclasses him on the mat. And then now you start to think of that zapping uh, Neil Magny's, you know, gas tank. So I'm splitting exposure here. I, I know the public really likes Neil Magny because of the size and the length. I am trying to take the grappler a slightly heavier than, than the public because I, I worry about that control time. Um, you know, Magny's a volume type of guy, probably get you a decision win, maybe a late TKO, but that's unlikely. Whereas, you know, Kiesa can, you know, take down Magny, work a lot of top control and work towards a submission win. You know, one of the things that I found really interesting when Mike Kiesa was, was talking to the media, he said, he goes, look, uh, you know, he really tried to stay close to home, did not go to the PI for this one. A lot of that was COVID reasons. He, he did not want to uh, put himself and, and his teammates, but he said, you know, one of the things he did have to do, he did go down to Arizona with a longtime training partner because, as he said, you know, he doesn't necessarily have guys who are 6'3 with an 80-inch reach in yeah. his gym. So he did have to go out a, a little bit for this one. So that, that's obviously going to be something you play into in terms of that, now I'll mention a question uh, from Cameron in the chat. He goes, "Thoughts on stacking this main event?" I don't know if I get to it in stacking because uh, I feel like I can. It's so, so silly, but I see this fight going one of two ways. Magni keeps it up on the feet and just picks apart Kiesa, or Kiesa takes down Magni has a ton of top control. Um, yes, they could alternate rounds of doing so, but with so many fights on the card. I feel like there's probably better options. Stacking it really isn't like the Calvin Cater, Max Holloway fight, um, which I don't think was in the optimal. Um, Matt, if you didn't have Max, you didn't really do all that well. But as far as this this fight, I don't know if stacking's the way. Yeah, if you didn't have uh, Max Holloway as your captain on FanDuel, you uh, yeah, you didn't win. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it, it, but you know, you have a lot of fights too. I think that's the other thing you kind of put into in, in, in terms of this one. You know, look, I, it's. I mean, look, 
Magni Chiesa is the reason you're going to turn on the fights on Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. Main card starts at, at noon, so main event will probably be around two 2.30-ish Eastern time. So that is going to be something to, to pay attention to there. But uh, it, it's a quality fight. It's a big fight for both of these guys. Um, you know, I, I feel like every time I go against Neil Magny, he wins. Yeah, me too. Me too. He's a guy I really can't get right. So, um, step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse with family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Maybe he goes out there and has an outlier performance. But like as far as like this fight, for my lineups, I'll probably make this a must-have. Just because of the five rounds and of how dominant they are in their areas of uh, expertise. I think that if Magny wins, it's probably, you know, a dominant win, decent amount of points. Chiesa, if he wins, he's going to have a ton of control time. And, uh, you know, he, he likes to pitter-patter his opponents on the mat, work towards a submission. So I'm excited for the fight. I, it's, a, it's a split for me. Like, you know, I'll probably lock it into my lineups and be like 55-45, to be honest. Appreciate everyone's here on a Monday night watching the show live here course uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up button if you're not subscribed to also hit that subscribe button right now we got a ton of great programming here we're trying to get over 50,000 subscribers right here on youtube so be sure to hit that subscribe button so much great content to get you ready for nba on on the daily of course uh we got the nfl conference title games this weekend as uh i'll be a little busy on sunday i'll be a little busy on sunday <laughs> but looking forward to it pete yeah, yeah, you made me a Bucks fan for the playoffs. Like, I'm rooting for you just because I would love to see you guys, you know, win it all and to see you, you know, it'd be awesome. It would just be so cool. Yeah, man, it's uh, it, it's it's fun. It's fun. It's fun when you win. It's fun. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go on to the main uh, co-main event: Warley Alves against Munir Lazez. Nine thousand for Lazez. As I recall, wasn't he when he made his UFC debut? Wasn't he one of the guys you had really pinpointed? Yeah, I thought that, you know, he's a sniper and, you know, he really lives up to his name. Like he's so good at just picking his opponents apart. And, um, you know, he was a heavy, heavy underdog in his previous bout against Abdul uh, Razak Al-Hassan. Went in there, had just like a masterpiece. He really did. He incorporated takedowns, um, angles, just being technically better everywhere. And he's tough. Like he didn't get put down from a shot from uh Al-Hassan and I think that's really a feather in his cap goes to show you like okay yeah you can take a shot kid if you're not getting dropped by him then I really like your chances against a lot of people within the division now Worley Alves is super super talented and I don't think it's a pushover by any means Alves has been you know pretty inconsistent in the UFC like he's looked amazing in his wins and not so great in his losses I mean you could say that for a lot of people but um I, I do think that Lazez is, is a name to circle here. And I understand that the odds might be a little bit too wide because Lazez really only had one good showing. And we have seen 11 fights for uh, Warley Alves, 7-4 in the UFC. You know, you talk about all of his experience and how he can get it done in multiple ways. I think that Munir Lazez can as well. So I like Lazez quite a bit at 9,000. 
as far as an underdog pick in Alves at 7,200, if you are a person that favors experience and you think that, you know, wins could be fluky and it could have just been one nice win, then, you know, you're going to get a significant discount on Alves here at 7,200. So this is a fight where I won't be splitting exposure so much. I will be just siding with Lizette for the most part. Well, something to remember is that Wally Alves was actually supposed to take on Christian Aguilera, uh, you know, this, the, during these fight island cards. However, Christian pulled out of the fight in December, and now, uh, you know, Lizette steps in. You know, you, you look at the losses for Alves in the UFC. I mean, they're all notable fighters. Yeah. You know, Randy Johnson, uh, excuse me, Randy Brown, uh, submission loss, James Krause, TKO, Kamar Usman, decision, Brian Barbarina, a, a decision. And you forget, back in the day, five years ago, he beat Colby Covington. Yeah, it goes to show you that MMA math, and I say it every week, MMA math just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, I think that Alves is super skilled. I think that he's just going to be, you know, matched up. He's in a tough matchup here against uh, Munir Lazez. He needs to really mix things up in order to keep him guessing. Uh, you know, I, maybe he's underestimating Lizez here because it is, you know, only one fight and uh, he does have a win over Colby Covington. That is pretty huge. But uh, I, I think that Lizez checks a lot of boxes for me. He shows me that he really wants to win and enjoys fighting. You know, the craziest thing is like, it, you know, Lizez views Abu Dhabi as like home country. So this is like his home territory. And uh, I always like a hometown fighter. Yeah. You remember uh, Dana had the story about how he kind of this one came about. Uh, Jordan, I appreciate you uh, in the super chat. Uh, the, the simple answer is no. Cerrone did not throw the fight. No. No, I think, it, you know, it's just a, a big mental test whenever you fight Conor McGregor. And that's the truth is, uh, you know, I, I think there's title fights and then there's superstar fights. And when you're fighting McGregor, he kind of brings a different element to the table. And uh, some people get captivated by it. And let's be honest, Conor was the better man that night and just got all over the slow starting Cowboy Cerrone. Of course, we'll talk uh, more about Conor McGregor on Thursday on the Strategy Show, then on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Uh, Cameron says, and Cameron, appreciate you in the Super Chat. Should pickles go on a grilled cheese? I've never heard of that. I don't know. Where I've Cameron, never heard that either. Cameron, I appreciate you. You're a longtime listener. I I mean, if you guys, if you guys like pickles, my cousin owns possibly one of the biggest pickle companies in the world, Gorilla's Pickles. And uh, I don't know if it's by your area, but he's in like all targets and, and uh, he's everywhere right now, whole foods. So if you like pickles, check out my cousin's pickles, Gorilla's pickles, but I I did not know this about you. Really? Yeah. Family's in the pickle business. Yeah. My, my, my cousin. Yeah. Uh, It's uh, he's killing it, man. Like that company is huge now, Uh, but no pickles should not go on grilled cheese. I don't know who the heck does that. That's weird. Yeah, I, I have uh that is a new one to me. That that is absolutely a new one to me. I, I did not see that. But I mean look, I'll I'll say this about Lizaz. I think it also says something. I mean, look, on paper, this is not the deepest of cards in terms of name value, but I think it does say something that the UFC has put him in this spot, that they believe they might have something him here to put him in a co main spot on ESPN. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's it's a showcase for them. They think, okay, we're gonna make a name off of uh, Alves here and let's be honest we know what promotions do and how they operate that's exactly what they're thinking here yeah exactly let's move on to the car and in terms of a fight that I don't know how you feel confident either way on this one I mean I mean look we we joke about the a208,000 fight 
I didn't even see the salaries. I said, oh, man. Oh, man. This is a this is a fight that, I mean, if you talked about on the do not trust list, it's got to be this fight of oh Ike God. Villanueva and Vicious Morea. 8200 for Ike, Venetius 8000 and then Ike is $17 on FanDuel, $14 uh, for Venetius here. I mean, I don't, like, who do you trust? You don't trust either of them, but I feel like you might need this fight in your lineup, Jason, because it's mid-priced, right? We always talk about how important mid-priced is to have, you know, in your lineups that allows you flexibility to get to everybody you want. Um, in saying that, like, these guys are a low, low level. Like, they're both winless in the UFC. Um, Ike Villanueva is a guy who has good hands on the regional scene, um, but he has been finished quite a bit as well. So, like, you know, let's let's go right here. I can actually pop up one of my pieces of content. And uh, Villanueva has been knocked out five times. Vinicius Moreira has been knocked out three times. Villanueva has been submitted five times. Vinicius Moreira has been submitted once. So, like, when these guys lose, they lose quickly. And that's why you see, you know, single digits in their average, you know, DraftKings scores. But the under in this fight is probably something you want to target. I don't foresee this going the distance. It's pretty obvious. Vinicius Moreira needs to get this to the mat. But the issue with that is he's he excels in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I talk about it all the time is how a lot of jiu-jitsu fighters don't have the best setups and takedowns. They don't have the wrestling. And that, to me, like that's something that needs to be addressed whenever you're a jiu-jitsu fighter. Now, Villanueva, if he keeps his fight up, he probably knocks out the Frankenstein Moreira on the feet. Because let's be honest, Moreira just going to sit there, walk forward, and sometimes actually just allows his opponents to put him against the, you know, against the cage. And he's a sitting duck there. So I'm siding with Villanueva here, and I do not feel good about it. As far as like betting, don't put your money on this for DraftKings. Probably have to split your exposure because it's they're both volatile, but it's Villanueva here for me. Experience, striking, seems hungry. I, I, I guess I'll go with Villanueva, but the submission loss is always a worrisome against Moreira. It's a straight up GPP fight for me. I mean, I, I don't I don't trust it in cash at all. It's just not a fight that I mean, look, the winner, you got a good chance is gonna get over hundred points. Good chance. But you just don't you don't you don't side one way or the other. So to me, it's 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 split your exposure in GPPs, and just hope that you land the winner in your in your right lineup. I mean that that's the way I look at it. Yeah, because they're both like I can't really tell you who to feel comfortable with. Like I I mean if I'm looking at the the heat sheet right now, you got uh, Villanueva who has three point one strikes per minute, uh, Moreira two point seven nine. I mean, granted these are limited sample size, right? Because they both lost quickly in their fights, and they both have not had good performances. So. The stats on this fight are a little, little tough to trust. Um, I just think from like, if you go back to fight footage and you look at what Villanueva has done, he has shown me that he can compete at mm-hmm. a decent level. Morero outside of that Dana White con- uh, contender series fight just has not shown me anything. Yeah. It, it, it's just one of those fights that you, you're just concerned with. By the way, you mentioned about, for people who are not aware, you do have new content up over at awesomeo.com. Let, let everyone know what they can expect uh, this week, not just with Wednesday's card, but also for Saturdays. Yeah, so I have a ton of content, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you check it out, make sure you guys go on uh, awesomeo.com, hit the MMA section, go down to articles. You can actually uh, see all of the content that I put out there. I have, uh, you know, the heat sheet that a lot of people enjoy. I take down City, which goes, you know, deep, deep dives into the, uh, the takedowns allowed, takedowns uh, landed in the UFC per fighter. 
Um, we go over, you know, some, some betting, some betting picks that I have the heaters. Um, I have some other stuff that's coming up as well, like questionnaire where I have some, you know, simple questions pertaining to each fighter's career that can be very, very helpful. So, uh, you know, head on over to Osmo.com, uh, or hit me up on Twitter at PTHMMA. You'll see everything, all the links that I post, but I really feel like they're extremely helpful and uh, can win you guys some GPPs. Let's move on. And before we, we uh, we'll, we'll t- in talking in relationship with this fight of Roxanne Montefiore and Viviana Rujo, I do want to mention a question or a comment, I would say. And it was about roster construction in terms of this. And uh, it was from Cameron. He says, so many women's mid-price fights makes lineup construction weird to me. Um, I mean, like, okay, we have Araujo there. Um. I wouldn't, I've seen it worse. I mean, I really have seen a lot worse and a lot more uh, women MMA bouts on, on cards that make, you know, DFS a little difficult for this one. I think it's, I don't think it's that that hard. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious what Roxanne Waterferry excels at. I mean, she's really good with her jujitsu and she's, uh, she's robotic with her striking, but um, (laughs) it was one thing you could say about Roxanne Waterferry. Don't underestimate her because in matchups that you think she should uh, should lose, she wins somehow. Uh, she's just next level toughness, has a wealth of experience, nearly forty, fi- nearly fifty uh, MMA fights, four and five in the UFC, lots of experience on tough. Ada Ujo though, she's super dangerous. Uh, so one of the things about Roxanne, you got to mention, there is definitely a trend with Roxanne Montefiore. So if you go back to twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss, win. She's doing the she's doing the random markups. Um, okay, well, what does she do for her, Jason? So she's due for a loss. Now, something to note here: uh, she her she has gone to the decision in her last two, four, five, seven fight. Wow, six fights, six fights. Uh, I mean, look, she is. You know, look, you're not. You know. Roxanne, she can, you know, it's not flashy. I'm trying to be nice here. Yes. She's not flashy. I mean, that's just, you know, if Roxanne is going to win a fight, it's going to be a slow-paced, dirty-type fight. And what I mean by, you know, getting it up against the cage, kind of, you know, slowing everything down. So, like, you know, if this fight's at range, you, you know, I, I don't see how Roxanne wins. Yeah, I will say that a lot of people think Montefiore is going to get knocked out every single time. She's only been knocked out once, Jason. She just somehow finds another gear, mm-hmm. finds out, you know, finds a way to survive. Um, she's always threatening when it hits the mat and is always looking to take it to the mat. I will say that her striking has gotten better over the years. It's not as bad as it used to be. It used to be awful. And now it actually has gotten better. She has volume. Um, and she kind of is just annoying you know, against her opponents because like she, she's hitting her opponents a lot, not truly effectively, but she's just always in their face. You know what I mean? And that type of fighter where they're always pressing you always in your face can give some people problems that normally shouldn't. So like, I think that Ara Ujo obviously is the A side in this fight has actually displayed some great knockout ability. That's pretty rare in women's MMA. Like she's shutting people's lights off. Um, and I will say that, you know, she has great jujitsu to rely on. So it's not like she's, you know, she has like defensive deficiencies when it hits the mat. 
Whereas, you know, like Roxanne has that edge over a lot of people. And that's kind of like an X factor. Ara Ujo can match, if not excel in the jiu-jitsu department. And uh, I think that's a big thing here. Ara Ujo is the more physical. I'm siding with Ara Ujo, even though Modafferi makes a lot of fights closer than they should be. Um, she's not a bad pump play, though, Jason. I mean, women's MMA, always close, always possibility of, you know, armbar from guard. We almost saw that last week. It was close. Um, but, uh, you know, 7,100, you could do worse. It's 91. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 100 Ara Ujo for me, but I, I, as far as like trusting that price, I'd probably go elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing you always kind of worry about in, in women's fight that do, do go the distance is will there be will you get enough points for you know the salary that you depend on? Of course, uh, looking at the betting odds for this one, Roxanne Montfari plus two seventy, Arujo minus three thirty. Fight goes the distance minus two seventy. So I should tell you something. Of course, uh, will you want to make a bet on the fights? Don't make a bet without shopping the odds first. All you got to do is go over to Osmo.com. Right there at the top of the page, you see Odd Shopper. Sign up today to track your bets. Receive alerts when lines do move. You know, maybe maybe you want to see that line. Maybe if it gets under 300 for some reason, which probably never happens, you can sign up today and be and so you know exactly where to place your bets. So check out Odd Shopper over there at Osmo.com. I mean, look, it's at 7,100 for Roxanne Montefiore. If she wins, and even if it's a low score, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she definitely has the ground skills to compete, if not control, if not, you know, if she gets on top, right? Now you're bringing control time into it, and she could do better than projections. Um, I just think that, you know, Ara Ujo, she looks really good, and I don't really see her takedown defense being bad at all. Um, I would worry if, like, you know, Motiferi has great sweeps. So maybe, you know, Otto Ujo's on top and gets swept. That's the probably only worry I would have here. But I think Otto, Otto Ujo gets it done. Uh, next up, we got Matt Schnell taking on Tyson Nam. Tyson Nam, uh, you know, I'm very familiar with Tyson, known for years. Uh, he's 8400 7800 for Schnell, and then 17 for Nam on FanDuel, $14 for Matt Schnell. I mean, look, I, I think with Tyson, you know what he wants to do. Tyson wants to keep this fight on the feet. It's not to say that he doesn't have ground abilities. It's just he, he, you know, he'll he'll fight. I'll tell you, he goes, I want to knock somebody out. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, Matt Snell obviously is a guy that's been around for for some time here. What's your take on this one? Yeah, I mean, it's a close fight. I really think it's a really close fight because Matt Snell is super talented. It's just that you can't really trust his chin to this point because, uh, man, whenever he's matched up against a guy who can crack pretty hard, I always worry about him getting hit with the big shot because, like. You can even recall, like, you know, in previous fights where Matt Schnell's on the bottom looking for, like, an armbar submission or a triangle, and he gets hammer-fisted, you know, just one time, and then a couple more following up on that, and uh, Matt Schnell's lights go off pretty quickly. Um, you know, losing to Alessandre Pantoja, nothing to get upset about there. Pantoja's super talented. The, the only worry I have is that, you know, is getting hit by Nam. Like, 
because I don't know how he's going to be able to take the shot. As far as like striking and being technical, he's going to go back and forth with Nan. It's just if the big shot lands, um, you know, Schnell probably strikes a little bit too long, has excellent jujitsu abilities. Um, maybe he should go to the takedown well here, especially with how his career has been of facing, you know, power punchers. I will have some Matt Schnell because I do believe in the talent. I really do believe in the talent. I think he's super talented. Now, in saying that, Tyson Nam seems like a guy who has just knocked out some crazy names. Like I remember back in the day when our Eduardo Dantes was a big deal in Bellator and he took a fight outside of Bellator. Guess who knocked him out? Tyson Nam. I mean, Tyson Nam is a guy who you cannot count out. It's the volume from Nam that is like the only worry for me because he does sit back. He does bob his head. He'll throw one or two headshots. Doesn't really mix things up too, too much. But that's really all you need, right? Like, how can I complain about a guy that just had back-to-back knockouts? So long story short, I think that Nam is the way to go just because I can't trust Schnell. Mm-hmm. Schnell's submission game off of his back is next level. But as far as, like, overall game, what I've seen, the eye test, I got to go Tyson Nam. It's funny you bring up the Eduardo Dantas. That's actually how I got to know Tyson Nam. Because really? That happens, and then there was a contract between Bellator and him, and, and then so I got to know Nam at that point, and the attorney that was helping him out, yeah, that's kind of, and that's how I got to know Tyson Nam, and uh, you know, and, and something to note about this is, you know, we're going to talk about Ricky Simone later on. They're like best, they're best friends, really train together. Uh, you know, Ricky will go down to Hawaii, Tyson will come up to Portland. Um, they they both have done stuff at Team Wayama um, in, in California, so yeah, they're they're best buds. If you if you follow either one on social media, you'll you'll see it. Two talented fighters too. I, I really like that uh, that pairing as far as teammates. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know these guys a lot. I think that Tyson Nam is uh, super talented and is finally starting to to break through despite being thirty seven. I mean, Tanner in our chat says Nam KO two other guys on this card. That is true. Yes, he has. And that is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mentioned about, uh, you know, a guy that you were on uh, previously, you know, with the, the Zez. Another one you were on uh, was Lerone Murphy, as he is taking on Douglas Silva de Andrade. Murphy, 9200 7004 Andrade, $22 for Murphy on FanDuel, $9 for Andrade. What's your take on this one? And uh, I, I guess let me say this. How does Andrade pull off the upset? Yeah, so this is a fight I'm targeting. And as far as me saying I'm targeting it, I think 7000 for a Andrade is uh, is crazy. I think that it's super, super cheap. I think it's a lot closer than not. Um, you know, I, I think that Murphy is super talented. And, you know, both these guys have KO percentages over 60%. Uh, just KO percentages. Murphy has a KO percentage of 67%. Deandrage has a KO percentage of 73%. You know, crazy. Um, Deandrage at this point of his career, he's getting older. He's 35. Um, you know, he can be out muscled in the cage. He can be outstruck and outwilled at moments. So that's kind of why I'm favoring Murphy in this spot. I think Murphy's the younger hungry guy, um, has decent takedowns, good top pressure and, uh, you know, just good ground and pound and ground and pound can really cause problems for a lot of people. I think that standing up that you know, DeAndrage's power is legit. I mean, he has a ton of knockouts. His record sits at 26 and three overall. So, you know, he's not a bad fighter at all. I, I think that you could do worse at 7,000. It's almost like how uh, Li Jing Liang was like 6,900. And I said, like, 
you know, that is so disrespectful that he's that cheap because he's so talented. This is a fight I'm targeting. I expect Murphy to win, come out victorious. But if Dan Drudge catches Murphy on the chin, I, I really wouldn't be too surprised. So I'll have a few lineups with Dan Drudge. And looking at the, the prop bets on this one, it's very clear what the odds makers think. Uh, Murphy wins by TKO KO plus 110. Yeah, they, they think that his power is legit, and I, I do think it is as well. I mean, his, his most recent win is huge. So in a way, like, he's going down in competition, but against a very, very dangerous guy who can match him on the feet. This matchup should be fireworks. Split your exposure, but lean heavier to, towards Murphy. Now, a matchup that was actually supposed to be on Saturday's card got moved back uh, a couple of days because of, uh, I believe it was COVID reasons. Omari uh, Akhmedov and Tom Breeze, 7,500 for Akhmedov, 8,700 for Breeze, 19 for Breeze on FanDuel, $13 for Akhmedov. Uh, you know, Tom Breeze, I, I think, is a guy that people have been, were at one point, I mean, I, people were very high on this guy. And then it kind of, you know, some, some various things happened and, and people's love for him kind of gone down here. You know, we, we've seen Akhmedov, you know, in some notable opportunities. So what, what's your take on this one? I will say that this is a tough fight and it's a tough fight because of the X factors, right? Because Tom Breeze, you know, has been a, a hype prospect for a very long time, but he's battled anxiety issues, which has basically limited his potential. So like, I want to see him you know, motivated with a clear mind and going out there. And we had, we saw it recently, like the disrespect went a little too far. His great, great knockout over a KB Burler. And, uh, you know, the, the issue here is that that fight probably shouldn't have ever happened. It was, it was like Tom Breeze was at true UFC level. And I don't think that uh, KB was really at that point yet because Breeze should be breaking into the rankings if he's not there already. Whereas Amari Akhmedov just coming off of this fight against Chris Weidman, like it was a close fight. That was, that was back and forth. And Akhmedov does fatigue over the rounds as they go on. But Akhmedov is a dangerous guy and not really like a, um, a pick that really makes people jump out of their seat. He does everything decent, nothing too spectacular. Mixes great takedowns. I will say he has excellent takedowns and has landed quite a bit in the UFC. So like, we know Tom Breeze is a good southpaw, long, rangy striker, throws good teeps to the to the body, um, excellent hands, and supposedly has great jiu-jitsu. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. But, like, I think that if he gets put on his back and Omar Akhmedov is on top of him or just chains together takedowns, I think it could be a long night. Now, this might not be one of my favorite fights to target, Jason, just because I feel like both guys are so skilled. I don't really see either one of them putting each other away. Like, I can't visualize Tom Breeze really putting Akhmedov away after what Akhmedov has really withstood in the cage. Akhmedov's grinding type of style and potential uh, control time makes him a better pick, in my opinion. Um, You're banking on a quick KO from Tom Breeze, but I think that's tough. I'm slightly leaning towards, towards Akhmedov due to his durability and potential for control time. Yeah, I mean, you talk about durability. He's gone to four, uh, seven straight decisions for Akhmedov. Uh, decision win against Kyle Noakes. Split decision win against Abdul Razik Alassane. A majority draw versus Martin Vittori. Uh, then he scored three straight wins. Tim Boach, Zach Cummings, Ian Heinish. And then you mentioned about that loss to, to Chris Weidman. Yeah, it's uh, Tom Breeze is a guy you just kind of, you know, in a way you're like, man, can, can, you know, where, where's his head at? And you mentioned about... 
some of the great things there. We'll move on to uh, Ricky Simone. Of course, Ricky was actually supposed to take on Brian Kelher, but of course, uh, that fight not happening here. Now, Ricky Simone, uh, the second highest option on DraftKings at 9,400. His uh, opponent, Pirello, 6,800. Uh, he's $8 on FanDuel for Ricky, $21. I, you know, obviously, you know, the price tag jumps out to you. It, it's a, a short nosed opponent making his UFC debut. You know, how, how much of a chance do you give him? Well, I will say short notice opponents sometimes are the most dangerous. They got nothing to lose. Like they're, they're coming in, they're, you know, being brought in to lose essentially just to kind of fill the card and save the card. So uh, Ricky Simone is a tough, tough test for your first UFC fight because he does so many things well. He strikes well, uh, but it's his grappling and it's his wrestling that really leaves a mark on all of his opponents. He takes them down at will, has such a high rate of work. Like, uh, when you think of a guy that outpaces and outworks Ray Borg, like it kind of blows your mind. And then he does it in a dominant fashion. You're like, okay, well, Ricky Simone is legit outside of the Uriah Faber loss, uh, you know, getting knocked up, losing to uh, Rob Font. <laughs> Look at what Rob Font is doing. It, Rob Font is so talented. I think that Ricky Simone is a great fighter for this division. And I do like uh, Gaetano Perello, just probably not in this type of matchup against a wrestler because if you watch uh, Perello's regional tape, man, he is exciting. So if you want a guy that can get you an early win, it's Perello's one of those guys that can get you a quick knockout because that's what he's going to need to do. And he's going to need to press Ricky Simone and work towards a finish. Perello is super dangerous in striking, like great pressure. Um, I do worry about, you know, Ricky Simone running into a knee. I have seen Perello throw great knees up the middle whenever you're facing a wrestler. You show an uppercut, you show a knee, it makes them question that, you know, their ability to go in there and take you down. Now, regionally, you saw Perello get taken down and kind of be out of place when it hits the mat. I kind of think that's what's going to happen. I think there's levels to this game, and Ricky Simone's just going to ragdoll him, so to speak. As the fight goes on, it favors Simone. It really does. Perello's dangerous round one after that. Simone coasts. Um, that's basically how I'd look at it. I'll probably throw Perello in just a few for fun, but Simone's 9,400 and he's legit. Does the price point concern you in terms of DraftKings? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it concerns me because like there are a ton of ugly fights on this card, Jason. This is not my favorite card by any means. And I look at him and I'm like, at least I know what to expect out of Ricky Simone. At least I know what he's going to do. You know, like, Say he takes down Perello and has a ton of control time and, uh, no, it just keeps taking him down, controls him for a little bit. It takes him down. You know, even standing up, he's not a liability. He got caught with one big shot from Uriah Faber, who had a crazy performance. But outside of that, Ricky Simone, you know, he's a staple in this division. And Perello going forward will be a name to circle, just not in this matchup. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, Ricky is – I've known Ricky now for – multiple years so he's always kind of a guy that you know look you know i want to see well it should be a a win for him here of course uh this is the mma strategy show right here on awesome and for every reason you can't watch our shows live and you want to download the audio version of the show you can do that on the awesome podcast network just go to awesome slash podcast all these sports have their own individual feeds or if you just want all in one feed there's an awesome feed there as well so uh, be sure to uh, download the show, leave a five-star rating and review for your chance to win a free month of also Plus Platinum. Good luck. 
course, our podcast is over there. Uh, I'll tell you what, I listen to a lot of our stuff on the Austin Podcast Network just because, you know, I'm doing things around the office. It's, it's a little easier for me to, uh, to, watch, to listen to it as opposed to watch it on YouTube. But, of course, I do appreciate everyone that is here on YouTube. Now, when you talk about fighters on this fight card that I may be the most interested in as a long-term value, that's Sue Madarji. He He's someone I'm really interested to see uh, kind of out, has he developed in this UFC flyweight division. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that Sumo Darji is a, a great name to circle. He's facing Zaruk Adachev, who is actually a friend of mine. So I am going to be rooting for Zaruk a lot. Um, I shared the same corner room with Zaruk uh, when we both fought for Bellator and we became friends and friends with his whole family and all that. So I'm, I'm super pumped for Zaruk. Now in saying that, I think that he knows this isn't an easy fight. Like Sue is a very tough opponent, especially for the division because he has a significant reach advantage um, a seven inch reach advantage to be exact. His reach sits at 72 inches for their division. Now that is a lot. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, Zaruk is better than what he showed against Tyson Nam. And I can explain his style. He likes to blitz a lot. So he was a glory kickboxer and does mix, mix in, uh, some takedowns as well. Um, you know, lots of blitzes. So when you're fighting a fighter, who blitzes a lot, sometimes you can get caught off guard and then you're trying to wait for them to stop and they're not stopping. So you're getting out flurried and, uh, you know, picked apart, so to speak, before you can even get going. That's how I think Zaruk Adashev needs to go this route. Because if he sits back, I think he knows that this is a tough fight and can get picked apart from the long rangey, dangerous guy. Now, bias aside, you guys know I don't like rostering fighters who have um just been knocked out and returned too quickly especially when they're facing uh, powerful fighters or powerful strikers that's kind of what we have here uh where Adashev is returning a little too quick from a KO loss against a dangerous Sumo Darji uh Sue does have a significant um experience advantage sits at 13 and 4 Zaruk in MMA is 3 and 2 despite his extensive glory kickboxing background me personally I'm rostering Zaruk a lot I, I, I'm pulling for him because I think that he is better. Um, but I, I do think that as far as unbiased opinion, I understand why Muderji's 9,300 sits nearly at a minus 400. I understand why you're going to be extremely exposed to Muderji. And I, I think it's smart. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only thing you, you, you kind of concern with is the price point. At, at 9,300, you know, just th- that's to me the only thing. I mean, and look, that, you know, one of the things that, that's tough for me about DFS is we're in the fight game. Yeah. We have all these relationships with all these different people in the fight game of like, you know, there's, there's times where you just, you know, you have a, a great relationship with someone in the fight game. And, you know, sometimes you're, you're maybe more putting that guy in your lineup as a, that's my buddy type thing, or I like that guy as opposed to sometimes listen to your brain. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, it's like a Homer pick for me, of course, like I, I I'm going to be taking Zaruk a lot because I do think that he can catch opponents off guard. I think that the UFC though, whether they're upset with Zaruk's manager or whatnot, they're not giving him easy matchups. Um, you know, as a guy that took a fight on on short notice against Tyson Nam, now you're putting him against Muderji. Yes, it's two strikers, but come on, man! Like Muderji's, he's he seems special. Yeah, it, it to me it seems like a showcase fight a little That's bit. That's what I'm saying. Like it's. Yeah. It's a tough fight. 
Uh, like, get your exposure to this fight, guys. Like, definitely expose yourself to this fight. Uh, then we got uh, Dolce and Perez here. Dolce minus one thirty-five betting favorite, plus one fifteen for Marcus Perez. Uh, any uh, thoughts on, on potentially going with Perez here? Uh, you know, I thought about it, and I think the only way I thought about it was if he goes and catches uh, Dolce in submission, because I do think that as far as striking, yeah, it'll be back and forth. But Marcus Perez coming off of the uh, the knockout loss to Drikas Duplessis, and you guys know I don't like targeting fighters coming off of a knockout loss against explosive athletes. And Dolce uh, Lunga Mula here is a, de- a decorated judoka, great, great judo throws, but has impressive punching power and aggressiveness and hits really, really hard. Uh, you can see that in the fight with uh, Dequan Townsend. Um, I will say, though, that Dolce keeps his chin straight up in the air. And when he keeps his chin straight up in the air, you know, Jason Floyd can go in there and hit you with a two-piece and knock you out. So you got to be <laughs> you got to be careful. So, uh, Dolce is the way to go in this fight. I do I do think that him being able to go in the, in the center of the octagon, dictate whether it's standing up or on the ground uh, based on his judo, just got to be careful for uh, the submission game of Marcus Perez, who is absolutely talented. Man, throwing daggers at me over here. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hey, hey, look, we, we've got to bust each other's balls every once in a while, man. We gotta, yeah, you got to do that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm with you there. there. Uh, you know, let's, let's move on because we are kind of, uh, you know, Coming up here on about an hour of notice here. Uh, Figueredo and Jerome Rivera. Uh, I know Jerome Rivera. I talked to him about probably about a month ago. And uh, the one, the, the biggest thing that I took away from the conversation was he goes, I've laid out a roadmap to victory. And, you know, after what happened in his UFC debut and now having a full fight camp to get ready for this one. But this is a, this is a tough task for him. Yeah, he's being brought in to lose. Um, and, you know, as a fighter, you have to recognize that. Like, you know, it, it happens. You know, like, even regionally, you're being brought in to lose. I mean, Figueredo, but when you're being brought in to lose, that's an opportunity because you can make a name off of your opponent. Like, he goes in there and beats Davison Figueredo's brother. That's crazy. And, uh, you know, Figueredo is not his brother. Don't get it, you know, don't get it twisted, but he is skilled. Uh, Good striker, has decent jiu-jitsu as well. I shouldn't say decent because the Figueredo brothers have good jiu-jitsu, but he doesn't seem to be nearly at the level of his brother. So don't think that, you know, he's just going to go out there and wipe the floor with Rivera. Should be competitive, but Rivera's path to victory usually is through the submission game. And I think that's not a good recipe uh, going up against uh, Figueredo. So Figueredo here, mid-priced, 8,500. I like him quite a bit. 91% finish rate of his 11 victories. I like him. I think that he doesn't really have to worry about getting knocked out too much in this bout. Um, potentially only worry is getting blanketed from up top from Rivera, but even on bottom could sweep, could work towards a submission just seems to be, uh, seems to be talented. It's in the blood for sure, but it's definitely not uh Davison Figueredo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, look, I, I think that it's, you know, I, I think you kind of understand what this is going to be here. But yeah, yeah it, it should be, uh, you know, look, I, I think it's a fight that you definitely have to look at. I, I think it's definitely a fight that you have to look at. So uh, we'll see as, as, as we go on here. We'll, we'll move on to uh, our next fight, and that is Mike Davis and Mason Jones. Uh, yeah, this, this fight came together here pretty, you know, not that long ago. So what's your take on this one? I will say of the 7K options, Mason Jones is a, is a super talent. He really is. He's a, a regional double champ. 
uh, coming in at 7,400, making his UFC debut, undefeated fighter. I mean, anytime you guys see an undefeated fighter in the, the 7K range or even 6K range, target them. They're undefeated for a reason, and being undefeated in, in MMA is tough. Um, Davis here is one of my favorite fighters in the, in the UFC, and uh, he's not a big name. Uh, I really like his style. I've been following him through like training camps and training footage from like Tiger Boy Thai back in the day. And I think that he's so explosive and you saw what he did against Thomas Gifford. Um, he can mix it, mix it together and put together wins, whether it's striking where he's so dynamic, has so much power. Uh, you saw it on uh, the contender series against Sadiq Youssef. I mean, it's just, he's so talented in that department and Mason Jones has excellent hands. So this, this matchmaking is amazing. I think that they're not giving Mason Jones an easy fight by any, any means. Um, and I think that Davis can wrestle when he needs to as well. Uh, it's going to be a tough order to come in here and take out Davis 8,800. I, I like him quite a bit, but of the, of the underdogs, Jason, you could do worse than the undefeated Jones at 7,400. Now, when you talk about the biggest uh, fighter on DraftKings in terms of salary, Umar Nurmaga made off 9,500. Uh, I, I think people are obviously going to fall in love with, the last name, Habib will be in his corner, but is he worth the price tag? I don't know if he is, honestly. Like, I don't know if he is. I think he's talented, but he's not, you know, he's not Habib. He, he brings quite a different style. Has He has, like, a ton of kicking volume, and that's pretty crazy. The, de- the dexterity in his legs is pretty nice. Lots of front kicks, a lot of round kicks, lots of cr- uh, question mark kicks. Um, throws a ton of kicks. The problem with the, when you throw a ton of kicks, you're always susceptible to be, you know, countered to hit with a big shot if you're lazy. And Morozov is talented. Like, Morozov is good. I was watching his tape, and I'm like, man, this guy mixes together great punching combinations, good takedowns, scrambles well, has been out-wrestled in the past in some instances, but seems to be live. So, like, this, this, this fight on DraftKings is separated so much because of Nurmaga Madoff's name. And uh, – you're paying for the name and you're not getting the Habib talent. Uh, I think that Nurmagomedov is tough. I think that he's a name to circle for sure. But as far as paying 9,500, I'd probably go to Simone and, and prefer Simone despite Nurmagomedov's like entire game. I, I expect him to win here. I expect Nurmagomedov to win. I expect Morozov to not go down easy, but I, I think it's going to be a decision. And I think it's another example of where you got to look at those ownership projections that we have over at Osmo.com. Of course, if you want to get access to our, our projections, sign up right now for MMA Weekly Pass. Got a great promo going on right now. MMA Weekly Pass for just $2.57. This offer does expire on January the 23rd. All you got to do is use a promo code Connor, C-O-N-O-R. Take advantage of that deal. That is something to me that you got to take advantage of in terms of this one. One more matchup, female matchup, that's going to kick off the fight card. Uh, Victoria Leonardo at plus 165. Any thoughts on taking the underdog here? I mean, not really. I, I, I think that she's talented. She needs to go the grappling route. Uh, she has been knocked out uh, on the regional scene. And I think that uh, Fioro here at 8,900, I think she's talented. I really do. I think this is a good fight. I, I do. I think it's a good fight. It's good matchmaking. Um, you know, but, uh, Manon Fioro, I think just puts things together better. And I don't have to really worry about her. Whereas like Victoria Leonardo does seem to have some issues with taking a shot, um, has been rocked, staggered, knocked down from a head kick, knocked out from a head kick. 
Um, you know, probably will look to, to wrestle here, but Manon Fioro just checks a lot of boxes for me. I think that she's able to keep it on the feet, good aggressiveness. I like her quite a bit. I just don't know if the the price tag is correct. Obviously, women's MMA is usually close, closely contested bouts. Um, and if, you know, you have two debuting fighters, maybe you don't really see the true mm-hmm. self. You see like a shell of themselves because of the nerves and everything. So I wouldn't hate the Leonardo pick. I just feel like there's some other, like I'd rather take Jones at 7,400 who has 70, 70% finish rate and has good hands and can actually get towards a win, a win and he's uh, undefeated. But uh, Fioro here at 8,900, she's okay. Yeah, so uh, let's let's go down the fight picks. Let's start right at the main event, Neil Magny against Michael Chiesa. I am so torn on this one. Yeah, I take DFS out, and we're talking fight pick alone. My gut says Neil Magny. I don't know what to do. I say Chiesa. Uh, Alves and Lizez. Lizez. Um, I'll agree with you there. Villanueva, Morea. Villanueva. I'll go Villanueva as well. Uh, give me a Rougeau against Montefiore. Yep, same. Uh, Nam against Snell. Nam. Give me Murphy. Yep. Akhmedov Breeze is when I'm... Why do I see an Akhmedov split decision way coming? That's what I see coming. Akhmedov for me. Uh, Ricky Simone. Ricky, baby. Uh, Sumadarji. I think, he'll, you know. Are you, are you going to go with, with your heart? I'm going with my boy. I'm going with my boy, Adeshev. Total bias. So don't listen to me on this fight. Adeshev. Then, uh, you know, uh, Dolce and Perez. Going Dolce, Lungabula. Yeah, I like him as well. Uh, Give me uh, Francisco against Rivera. Uh, Yeah, give me me Figueredo. Mike Davis versus Mason Jones. (sighs) Davis, close fight. I'm going to say Jones pulls off the upset. Ooh, I like it. I mean, he's good. He is good. Uh, Nirmaga made off against Sergey. Give me uh, Umar. Close fight. A lot closer than what the name says, but Nirmaga made off for me. Uh, Leonardo and Farat. Yeah, give me Fioro. Yeah, I'll go the same way there. Uh, of course, uh, I'll go in and to see if there's any uh, questions in the chat before we get out of here for this edition of the strategy show appreciate everyone who tunes into the strategy show and live before lock course uh, live before lock will be uh for the wednesday card we have two ufc cards this week the ufc card on wednesday live before lock 8 a.m eastern time so uh keep it locked here uh for the fight um and of course you got to check out osmo.com all the peace content that he has up there so be sure to check that out uh anything else Pete, you want to hit on before we get out of here no, grab your coffees. Come hang with us on Wednesday. Um, keep it locked to uh, awesome.com and uh, pay attention to the MMA articles tab. And then what you can do is you can just see all the articles that all of us here at Awesome put together. If you want to see what I write, click on my name, go to the author, see everything that I put out there. And uh, I think it's really, really helpful for all DFS, MMA betting, all of that. And uh, yeah. And that is going to do it for this edition of MMA Strategy Show. We'll be back on Wednesday morning, live before lock. <laughs>